Good. We're going to make a start. Let's get my phone. Good. Oh, me again. It's good to see you. If you want to turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 7. I would say there's Bibles on the side, but we seem to have, we've stopped doing that since COVID. So again, really welcome if you're here for the first time. If you're on holiday, I hope you're enjoying being with us. And um, if you're visiting, you're really welcome. And like I say, it's an unusual Sunday in that lots of people are away, so it's a bit more intimate than usual. That's why we're down here on the floor, and I'm doing the worship and the speaking today. So the question I have for you today is, and it will come clear in a minute, when do you pour out your oil? Okay? Turn to your neighbor. When do you pour out your oil? Okay, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this water here. Helen, look what I'm going to do. On the carpet! Okay, so you remember it, okay? When do you put, it's not oil, obviously. When do you pour out your oil? And I'm talking about worship today. Worship. When do we worship? We, we sang earlier, but you know, God's looking at the heart and all that kind of stuff. But you know, when do we worship in our lives? Personally, as a church, it's kind of an MOT. How are we doing in our worship? What we love is seen in our lives, isn't it? What we love is seen everywhere in our lives. And um, what posters you have on the wall, what, what uh, photographs you have around, what you do with your time, what you don't do as well. I, I'm not into football, but I use this illustration because Samuel likes football, my son. Liverpool Football Club, you know, guess how many, shout out, right? How many shirts... Did Liverpool sell last year? Sorry? Five million, two million, it's 10 million. Well, it's actually 2.5 million shirts. 2.5 million. And, you know, people buy them because they love football. They love the game. They love the, the, the team, don't they? They love it. And I'm told that... 816,000 of those are for one player. Any guesses for that? That's right, Mo Salah. He's, you know what? He's the fourth best-selling shirt seller in the world. Try saying that. Fourth best-selling shirt seller in the world. He's the fourth best-selling shirt seller. Do you know what? The, um, the third is Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski, 970,000 of his shirts were sold. So there are 970,000 people in this world walking around with that name on their back. Guess who's second? Lionel Messi with 1.2 million shirts sold. Cristiano Ronaldo is number one with 1.5 million shirts sold around the world. I'm, I'm using that illustration because people love something so much, they're even prepared to wear a shirt with a name on the back that's not their name, somebody else's name. 
That's what people do. That's what we're like. Human beings ex- sh- love things. I, ben Okafer, he's, a, he's an artist, a, a musician, very good artist and musician. And uh, Paul loves him, don't you, Paul? As a brother in Christ. What we love, we wear, we, we speak, we do art, we sing songs. We, that's what we are. Human beings have to express what they love. In fact, you know, love, praise, and expression is kind of like the fight. It's, it's what has to come out of it. Like if there's a goal scored, you have to, way, of some measure. If you're like me, you go like, hey. But some people are really expressive, aren't they? But we have to express it. Worship. Worship I'm talking about this morning. God wants to teach us how to worship. God wants to teach us this. To express the worth. I mean, that's what worship is. To express the worth of something. Worth. Worthship. The worth. What is of worth? So, Ronaldo is of worth in some way. Lundowski is of worth in some way to some people. He's of worth. How much more? The name of Jesus. Worth. He's God. He's God. He is the Savior. He saved us. He loves us. He is so worthy of our worship. A.W. Tozer called worship astonished reverence. Astonished reverence. I'm astonished at the greatness and glory of God. May that be true. Worship involves the heart, doesn't it? The heart. What I most desire. It doesn't have to be words. What I most desire is worship, and God sees that. What do I most desire? It involves the mind. What I think about. What do I meditate on? What do I cogitate on? What do I study? You know, if you're into something, you study it. You find out about it. You become like the top drunk Trump's guy. Who's the fastest car? Who's the da, da, da? You, you know, you can, t- you can t- give, you, give the stats. This is the best thing. This is that. Da, 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 da. You know stats and figures and facts if you're passionate. And that's true of God. If we love God, if we're worshippers, we want to know and learn. Our minds are engaged. Strength, our strength. Our bodies are involved. We use our strength, what physical strength we have, to serve him. Or to serve, wherever we worship, we serve it with our bodies. We use our bodies, our strength, to serve it. And then there's trust and faith. What we worship is what we trust, what we have faith in, what we believe is going to protect us, what makes us secure. And I love this image which God has set up all around us of the solar system. So you know the solar system, the sun is at the center, isn't it? And the planets move around the sun. And that's an illustration to all of us that we are not at the center. There's something else at the center, guys, even of the, even of the solar system. And there's some body else that should be at the center of our lives that we revolve around it should not be ourselves it should be Jesus amen
Jesus, may we revolve around him with our thinking, with our hearts, with our strength, with all our being. May we worship him. God wants to teach us to do that. Matthew 22 says this. One of them, an expert of the law, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest thing? What should we all do? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God. Turn to your neighbor. Say, Love the Lord your God. Turn to the other and say, With all your heart. Turn to your back again and say, With all your soul. Turn back and say, With all your mind. That's it. Good. This is the first and greatest commandment. You see there? God wants you to worship. God wants to teach you to worship. And because you understand that God is good, you know that worship is good for us. It's not just like me saying, look, I'm at the center here, aren't I, right? Worship me. Come on, guys, worship me. Let me tell you some wonderful stories about me so that when you go away, you'll go, oh, that, he, isn't he a mate? No, I don't want that. We want Jesus to be at the center, and Jesus, Jesus wants to teach us, and he knows that's good for us. It's how we're designed to be. So let's read this story from, her, from this woman who's going to pour out oil on Jesus, and we're going to learn from her about worship from Luke 7. It's warm, I know. We'll be fine. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So remember this context? One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life. So you see this woman? A sinner. Sinful life. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 denarii. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said, this, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You 
did not give me a kiss, this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Firstly, I want to say, tell you this, right? Only forgiven sinners pour out oil. Only forgiven sinners pour out oil. Those who know they have been forgiven pour out worship and thanks. Those who think God owes them something or self-righteous, you're better than other people, aren't you? Your worship is minimal and nothing. Only forgiven sinners pour out worship. A woman from that town who lived a sinful life, this is who she, she's described as. She, she brings this alabaster jar, pours it, weeping at his feet, kissing his feet. This woman lived a sinful life. She was living in a way that displeased God. She knew that. She was living against God's word. This is who she was. She was being judged by the community. She was known as a sinner by how she lived. We don't know what she did, but clearly there was some kind of sinful habits around her life that everyone knew about in the community. That's the woman. Oh, yeah, she's the one, the sinner. That's her. She knew she deserved God's judgment. She knew. However, she pours out oil and expresses her worship. She did this because she knew she was a forgiven sinner. Only sinners pour out oil. Only those who know in the depth of their being that I, I do not deserve to know your mercy. I do not deserve it. I've fallen short of what you want, Lord, in my thinking, in my actions. I know I'm a sinner, but you forgive me completely as far as the east is from the west. You've removed your transgressions from me. Those are the kind of people that worship. And Jesus tells them this parable about two people who owe money. Now, the one who owed 500 denarii, this is a parable. A parable is a story that teaches a lesson, if you've got ears to hear. Because obviously it's just a story, isn't it? And Simon, the Pharisee, just saw it as a story. But he was, Simon didn't realize, or maybe he did, that he was talking to him. And I hope we realize this morning that Jesus is talking to you. And he's saying to you, do you know? Do, do, do you understand the debt you've got? Do you understand the debt you've been forgiven? Are you a worshipper? Are you pouring out oil? Jesus is confronting all of us today. 
Two people. So the one who owed 500 500 denarii, that's around 20 months' wages. Another who owes 50 denarii, that's two months' wages. Neither of them. They were both bankrupt. They could not pay. This woman knows, though, that she is bankrupt. She knows it. I can't pay God back. That's the point of the story. I cannot pay him back. You cannot pray enough. You cannot clean your life up enough. You cannot succeed in some way enough. You cannot dress formally enough and be respected enough. Become that respectable person. None of that's going to save you. The mercy of Jesus saves us. She knows she's bankrupt. She knows she has been forgiven her debt. That's why she loves more. She loves more than whom? She loves more than Simon and his type. His type, self-righteous types. People who think God accepts them and owns them something and they're better than other people. Are you better than other people? Are you better than other people? We need to be reminded of it every day. It creeps in. Oh, you're, oh, you're clean and tidy. Oh, yeah, you've got a job, haven't you? Oh, yeah, you've got things sorted out. Oh, you look, you look like a respectable person. You're no better than anybody else. You're a forgiven sinner. And all those things in your life are, by, are fruits of the grace of God in your life. You, you, you cannot take glory for any of it. It's by the gift of God you are who you are. If you've got any success, it's by the grace of God. And only forgiven sinners worship. That's why we need to keep remembering these things. The self-righteous People like Simon do not worship. They don't know in the depth of their being that they are bankrupt, but they've been forgiven. And their their account has been filled, friends. Their account has been filled with the righteousness of God. How righteous are you? As righteous as God, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. That's why we worship. You know, Simon... Simon's response is very telling, isn't it? If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching her and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Inferred in that is that I'm not. I'm different, you see. I'm different to her. I'm I'm righteous. Jesus continues to teach Simon this principle. He turns towards the woman and says, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. The self-righteous don't pour out oil because they don't realize their sin debt. Forgiven sinners are extravagant in their worship because they understand the depths of the grace of God. Are we amazed at the grace of God? Are we amazed? May... May God, even today, 
give every one of us a greater amazement at his grace. May every one of us be filled with wonder when we see the cross for us, that God should die for us. What we love will be seen in our lives, won't it? If you are a forgiven sinner, it will be seen in your life. You will pour out the oil of praise if you know that Jesus has forgiven you. How is her sin debt forgiven? How is her sin forgiven? It says here, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Who doesn't want peace, right? Who doesn't want peace? Worry, guilt, concern, fear. What's going to happen? Inflation. Who's going to be the next prime minister? Global warming. Cost of living. Sense of just failure inside. My thinking. I feel rubbish. I feel like a failure. Go in peace. That's Jesus' gift to you. If you put your faith in him, peace, peace with God. She is saved by faith. She's not saved by her worship. She's not forgiven by Jesus because she worships. No, the worship shows her love, shows that she's forgiven. Your worship doesn't save you this morning. You come into God and praising him doesn't save you. No, that's the outcome of him forgiving you by grace. Before you ever worshipped, before you ever said anything to God good, he forgave you. And the result of that is worship. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. When do you pour out oil? When do you pour out your oil, my friends? This is the question, isn't it, as we come to a close. When do we do it? So what is the oil? Let's just think about a few aspects of worship, just briefly. Doing, we could say, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do everything for the glory of God, right? So if you're a mechanic and you fix a car and you do it with, with um, integrity, you only charge for what the job you do. You don't make the quote bigger, or if you're a painter and decorator, or if you, whatever job you do, if you do a great job for the glory of God, that is worship. Amen? You can do everything for the glory of God if you do it with integrity and for his glory. If you're seeking to bring him honor through everything you do, if you're a teacher, if you're a student and you write an essay and you do it for the, for the glory of God and you want to show the teacher, no. This is what a, a, a Christian student is like. They are respectful. They want to learn. They respect their teachers. And, I, and I'm going to show you what Christianity does in someone's life. You are worshipping. Wherever you are, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That is worship. But I also want to just say some things about acts of worship, okay? 
So, for example, speaking praise. Speaking the praise of God. Shouting praise. Singing praise. Thinking and reflecting on God. For example, when you take communion and remember Jesus' body and blood shed, that is worship. It's an act of worship, isn't it? Thinking. Giving financially is worship when it's done for the glory of God. Serving people with our gifts for God's glory is worship. Using the body in dancing, kneeling, raising hands, prostration, laying on, flat on the floor before God. These are all acts of worship. These are oil, aren't they? These are the kinds of oil you can pour out before Jesus. When do you pour out your oil? What's holding you back? This woman, you know, it's embarrassing, isn't it? To walk in to, amongst all these people who think you're a sinner and start worshipping Jesus. And What's her experience of religious people? Her experience of religious people is, is this. If he were a prophet, he would know she's a sinner. That's her experience of religious people, you see. So, but she pushes through. She knows there's something different about Jesus. She, no matter what people think, I am going to worship. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to dance. I'm going to sing. I'm going to kneel. I'm going to speak. I'm going to sing. I'm going to do whatever. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship God. When do you pour out your oil with the church? With the church. When do you meet with the church? This is a, this is a place where we come together to worship God. One of the Greek words for church is about called, being called together, called together for worship. John Wesley says this, sing all, see that you join the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If, if it is a cross to you, take it up and you will find a blessing. Meet with your brothers and sisters. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We come together and sing his praise. Let's pour out the oil together, friends. Let's be a worshipping community. Let's set an example. Let's sing. Let's encourage each other as we come together. That's what we want to be. Personally, when do you personally worship Jesus, when do you pour out the oil? You know, we all, there's always too much to do, isn't there? There's always too much to do. Jesus says this, you will always have the poor with you. In other words, to the woman, don't worship Jesus because there are other requirements of your oil. Oh, no, don't worship Jesus. There are other requirements of your time. And they're important. They're important. We're talking about the poor here, or we're talking about it's important things, right? Don't, don't sing your praise to Jesus because there are other things to do. There are more important things to do, I say facetiously. Are there more important things to do? There are too, there's too much calling on us, on our time, we're so busy that many of us neglect personal worship. 
I want to encourage you, friend, put a rock in your bucket that every morning, the first thing you do is you get up and you worship Jesus. Lift up your soul to him and you will find a blessing. Why? Let me encourage you, friend, do the best you can to do that. It's a be- Jesus calls it a beautiful thing. Do we do the beautiful thing, friends? Tim Keller writes this about building a healthy marriage, but we can apply this to worship. He says this, if your definition of love stresses affectionate feelings more than unselfish actions, you will cripple your ability to maintain a strong love relationship. You will cripple your ability to maintain and grow strong relationships. If, on the other hand, you stress action of love over the feeling, you enhance and establish the feeling. That is one of the secrets of living as well as a healthy marriage. In other words, what he's saying is this. Don't worship because you feel like it. Worship because it's right. If you don't, you will rarely worship. This woman, the emphasis here is, isn't on how she feels. The emphasis here is on what she knows. She knows she's forgiven much. Do you know you're forgiven much? Do you? Raise your hand. Do you know you're forgiven much? Then you worship much. Don't care how you feel. You're forgiven much. You know it. Therefore, worship much. And that's the true, wonderful principle for life, isn't it? Do what's right, not because you feel like it, but because it's right. And you'll find, a lot of the time, your feelings will come along at some point. But even if your feelings don't come along, it's right. And it's a beautiful thing. So when do you pour out your oil? When, where, Samuel and Luthia, well, Samuel's here anyway. Oh, you are here, Luthia. We're going to worship together. When do you pour out your oil? When do you thank Jesus for his grace in your life? Are we doing it? May we be a church that does it. May we do it in our lives. Jesus says this, or John says this anyway, we love because he first loved us. Do you know you've been loved? Do you know you've been forgiven much? If you do, Let us express that in our worship to Jesus. Let's stand together. Let's pour out our oil now. Let's come before Jesus and express our thanks to him.